me to the book of Ephesians this morning, Ephesians chapter number one, and uh, appreciate the song this morning leading us right to the throne of God. And uh, this morning, as we'll have an opportunity in the Word of God to <clears throat> discover yet another aspect of the new life in Christ, if you are not uh, accustomed to a church like ours, we are a church that is a Bible church. Uh, that's why many, many years ago, as a matter of fact, in January of this coming year, will be 70 years ago that Bible Baptist Church was uh, started by a pastor who wanted others to know the truth about Jesus Christ, to experience the new life. And the Lord has blessed, and I really believe the reason God is blessed is because God's promised to bless his word. And this morning, it would not be church without the word of God. And there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of places around our area that are, are having services, but those services are not uh, uh, revolving around God's Word this morning. The only thing that's going to change your life and mine is the Word of God. And that's why we, we place a high priority on the Word of God this morning. So you'll hear many scriptures. Brother Kenny, I neglected to give your candy bars. You won't have lunch today if you don't get the candy bars there you go and uh, don't be eating those in church though all right Ms. watch miss becky because she'll be eating those but ephesians chapter number one if you're able to this morning to stand for the reading of god's word let's stand out of respect for the word of god if you're not able to that's fine but uh if you're visiting today uh, hopefully you received an outline in the bulletin you can follow along the, uh, with uh, the scriptures there also <clears throat> but we are a church as i preach many of my messages are right from what I call the text. And uh, I love the Bible. The Bible really says it. And sometimes people say, Pastor, that was a great message. No, that was, I was just sharing what God gave us in his word. That's all I did. And so this morning, we're going to do the same thing out of Ephesians 1. A couple great verses here in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 12. The Bible says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. This is one of those passages that honestly I feel like I could probably just give the invitation right now because the Bible says it all right there. And so in my uh, meager attempt this morning, what I'm going to do is to expound on this passage and I hopefully you'll understand the hope that we have, the hope of the new life in Christ. And so let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you that there has been provided for us an altar that we can come to, that we can run to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, that we can come to you and experience the new life, not because of anything we've done or any prayer we've prayed or not because of the church that we're attending, but because uh, we've put our faith and we've trusted in the Son of God as the only way to heaven. Now, Lord, bless the message this morning. 
I pray that you would be with those that are listening by way of maybe the internet this morning, those that are listening as a result of translation into the Spanish language. God bless all of it. You've promised to bless your word, and we're praying that you would do that, that you would keep your promise this morning. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing this morning. I love the fact that as a Christian, that we can have hope. And this morning, as we look in the Word of God, I'm well aware of the fact that the longer I live every day, I come into contact with people that are filled with a lot of worry and a lot of insecurities. And that feeling of worrying and insecurity just seems like it compounds, especially after maybe we watch about 30 minutes of the news. You ever done that? You sit down and you turn the television on and you want to watch some news and the news comes up and you hear all these things and very rarely do you hear any good news. Usually it's bad news. But we understand that this world we live in, that as we watch the news and we see events taking place, that we wonder what in the world is going on? You ever thought that to yourself? You see all these crazy things happening, people worrying about tomorrow, they're worrying about the future, and especially as we get older. We, we tend to think about what's going to happen in the days ahead. And when I get that way in my own life, sometimes I turn to, well, mostly I turn to the Word of God and to the theology of the Word of God, but sometimes I like to get a different perspective on it, and, and sometimes I go to the theology of one of my favorite people, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's got some great theology, and Charlie Brown was spending some time with one of his buddies, and he says, don't worry about what's going on in the world, what's coming, he says, about the world coming to an end. He says, because it's already tomorrow in Australia. I mean, Charlie Brown understands that the world is going to continue. The world is going to go on. But some people do struggle with life. They struggle with many things when it comes to this area of worry. Uh, I heard a story about a, a principal in a school, and this principal was uh, doing his duty as far as being a principal, walking through the hallways of the school. And, and, and as the principal was walking through the hallways, he saw one of his newer teachers that had been hired that year for school. And he saw this new teacher and he was standing by the lockers and he was pounding his hand on the lockers again and again and again. And he walked up and as he was walking up, he heard the teacher saying these words, why are you here? Why did you even get yourself into this? And the principal walks up behind him and he puts his hands on his shoulders and he looks at his newer teacher and he says, hey, are you going to be okay? And the teacher turns and sees the principal there and he says, yeah, I'll be all right just as soon as I can get this kid out of this locker. <laughs> you know, sometimes we go through days like that student that just, we want to climb into a locker. Uh, we're worried about something going on in life. And that's the way it was in this letter that we look at this morning. We call it the book of Ephesians in our Bible. But it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a body of believers known as the church in Ephesus. They were a group of people that were new believers and they were living their lives in the midst of a hostile Roman government, people that were not friendly towards Christianity. I think I have a picture of, uh, of a map of that day of the Roman Empire. You can see 
all the red, if you see the white in the middle of all that red, the white area right there represents the Mediterranean Sea. This would have been the world of Paul's day. See, there hasn't been the discovery yet of the, the United States of America. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of the discovery of other countries. Back in Paul's day, this was the known world. When Paul was uh, traveling with the gospel, the good news, uh, this was the part of the world that Paul was living in. And if you could see all the red that borders the Mediterranean Sea, all of that at this time was occupied or under the control of the Roman government. And the church in Ephesus, I don't know if you can see the blue arrow there, but right there about in the center north of the Mediterranean Sea was the city of Ephesus. Notice they're right in the middle of all this Roman oppression. And these were people that were struggling and they had some worries in their lives. And Paul was writing this letter to them so that they as believers like we today, so that they could know how secure that they were, even though they were in the midst of the Roman government, they were completely 100% secure because they were in Jesus Christ. And if you're saved this morning, that's what the message, that's what the Word of God is about today. There's a lot of people that struggle with insecurities. Today, man's religion, not the Bible, man's religion, teaches that you can lose your salvation. But the Bible doesn't teach that. But see, many times people struggle because they think, well, I got saved, I put my faith in Christ, but they've been led to believe because of maybe after they got saved that something happened, maybe they sinned, maybe they did something they shouldn't have done. And because of that, they, they've been taught, they now believe that because of that, that they are no longer saved. Listen, when we get saved, God gives us eternal life, everlasting life. I ask people that don't even know the Lord, so how long do you think eternal life is? And people's answer is always, it's forever. See, God gives unto us, these people in the midst of the Roman Empire, in the midst of the oppression, Paul writes to them to encourage them, hey, look, you are safe. You are secured because you are in Christ. See, we have hope, the hope of the, the new life. They didn't have to worry about tomorrow because God had already taken care of their tomorrows. God wants us today also to know that no matter what happens tomorrow, God is already there. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. God never changes, folks. And the gifts and the promises of God do not change either. So understand this morning that as we look at this matter of the new hope of the, the, the hope of the new life, that God wants us to have faith in the new life that he has provided for us. Well, how do we do that? First of all, this morning we do it in this passage in Ephesians 1 by having the right focus of our hope. See, God has saved us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And according to the Bible, we are to live for him. We are to live as if he is the focus of our life. Notice that as we trust in Christ, back in, in our passage this morning in verse number 12, 
Look what the Bible says as we look back in Ephesians chapter number 1. He says that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. Let's say that together. Who first trusted... All right, let's say it again. Who first... The question this morning is, are you saved? Because he says that we have hope because we have trusted in Christ. We're not trusting in a church today. We're not trusting in the creed of man today. We're not trusting in the government today. We're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love the words here, who first trusted. Now, again, I'll give you a little education this morning. I love the Bible, and as we look at this, he didn't say who trusted in Christ. He said who first trusted in Christ. Why did God put it that way? Because the wording here implies that it is a lifelong trust. It is a, in other words, something that began, but it will not end. Let me say that again. It began, but it will not end. I mean, you look at your life. We all had a birthday, the day that we were born. But understand that according to uh, really just human nature and the Word of God, that all of us one day will leave this world, if it's by death or by the Lord coming back for us, that we're not going to live on this earth forever, but we will spend all of eternity in one of two places. According to the Bible, we'll either be with the Lord in a place called heaven, or we'll spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. As we think about that this morning, he says, look, you have first trusted in Christ. It's a continuation of a completed action. In other words, the hope that we have is not just a hope that you got the day you got saved. For me, it was many, many years ago, but that hope still continues until this day. So when I think about the focus of our hope, see, we trust in Christ, but then notice that as we are saved, secondly, we live for his glory. Go back to verse number 12. Look at the beginning of the verse again. He says here that we should be to the praise of his glory. See, there are two ways that God gets the glory out of our lives. And by the way, he should get the glory out of our lives because he has saved us. He has bought us. So what are the two ways? Well, one is by our faith that we put in him. See, I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trusting Jesus and Jesus only to get to heaven someday. So one way that God gets the glory out of our lives is by our faith we put in him. And secondly, it is as the product of God's grace. Does not the Bible say in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So when I look at our lives, we who have first trusted in Christ, that we should be living for his glory. Ephesians 3 and verse 21, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, amen. I mean, folks, listen, do people know that there is something different in your life now that you are in Christ? 
they certainly ought to be able to tell that things are different now. And the way that things are different is, is that it's not about you anymore. It is all about God getting the glory out of your life. See, we are saved. But as a result, before we got saved, we were running away from sin. But now that we are saved, listen, now that we are, we find ourselves running away from sin. Before we were running after sin, but now we are running away from sin. A good illustration of this is in Genesis 39 with the life of Joseph. And you remember how Potiphar's wife was constantly trying to get Joseph to come in and and be with her and do something that Joseph knew was not right in the sight of God. And the Bible says that day after day she was trying to get him to do something that he shouldn't and the temptation certainly was there. And the Bible says in verse 12 of chapter 39, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. See, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, you don't live for sin anymore. You are living now for him. And as we think about this, the focus of our hope is Jesus. And understand this morning that the hope that I have is not in what this world has to offer. It is in the Lord Jesus himself. Is he the focus of your hope today? But see, not only do we see from Ephesians 1 the focus of our hope, But secondly, I want you to see what is the foundation of our hope, of this new life that we have. In other words, where does our hope begin? Well, as we look at this passage again, I want you to notice, look back at it in verse number 13, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of what? The word of truth the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So notice that if we're going to have the right foundation, it all begins with hearing the word of God. Nobody becomes a Christian until they hear the word of God, until they hear the word of truth. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, years ago, I heard God's word. I heard the truth. And this morning in verse 13, if we are saved, that means that somewhere along the way, we heard the gospel. We heard the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Somebody took God's word and they opened it up and they showed you or they shared with you the eternal truths of the word of God. Folks, we all fall short. But according to the Bible, we can be brought back together. We can be reconciled back together with God, and that happens through the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what it says in 1 Thessalonians 2. For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. See, we have to recognize that when we open, when you take your Bible and you open it up, if it's in your home, if it's out somewhere in public, if it's, if it's at work, when you open up your Bible, you have to recognize God wants to speak. Why? Because these are God's words. They're not my words. And as we open up the Bible, this is God's words to us. It's God's love letter 
to mankind. And so as we think about this, sometimes when you look in the Bible, do we not find comfort from the Scriptures? There have been times where I've, uh, maybe a family has had a loved one that's, that's gone to be with the Lord. And sometimes I'll open my Bible. I might turn to a place like Psalm 23. And I might share from the Scriptures some comfort, some hope. There are times where we'll open up God's Word, I'll open up the Bible, and I'll begin to read. And the Word of God will begin to deal with me, convict me, show me things in my life that should not be there. Aren't you glad for God's Word? See, as we open up the Word of God, we understand that God's Word is wanting to speak to us, that God wants to speak to us. And that's why I think it's so important that when you're, if you're here today and you're not a part of our church, can I give you some good, solid advice this morning that's helped me and helped many others? That when you're looking for a church, don't look for a church that's going to make you comfortable. Look for a church that preaches the Bible, that tells people the truth. God's Word tells us what our problems are, but I'm glad it doesn't just point out my problems. I'm glad that God's Word gives me the remedies for my problems. And the answer for every problem in life today is still Jesus. See, I find so many people looking for answers in all the wrong places. But salvation, the gift of God, eternal life, it is always connected to the Word of God. Look back in verse 13. He says, After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Listen to what the Bible says. Paul was writing to those in, in Rome in chapter number 10. Look at verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Say, well, pastor, that's your job. No, that's all of our jobs. You see, every one of us are to declare the truth of the Word of God, the good news to this world. That's why our church, if you go down that hallway, that's why our church currently supports 62 missionaries, church planners, that are taking the good news, the gospel, around the world. Our recent uh, one that we just took on last Sunday night is a man, that him and his wife, that God led to north-central Tampa to a very difficult part of the state of Florida. And they're, they're gonna, they've already opened up the doors to that church. And he's probably standing there this morning preaching the same truth that I'm preaching right here. And our church has an opportunity to get behind that work and many others. Why do we do that? Because Jesus said himself in John 17, 17, under the Father, he said this, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. See, what this world needs is not another lie. This world doesn't need to be deceived. This world needs the truth. And Jesus said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. You see, we need to help people understand, but that doesn't happen unless they hear. See, that foundation is not going to be there in their lives or your life or my life if we have not heard the word. But once we hear the word, then we have to do something else. Notice that that foundation is established after we believe the word. If you go back again in verse 13, he says, in whom also after that ye believe. Now the Bible tells us this matter of putting our faith in or putting our faith on. Look what it says in John 3, 15, whosoever believeth, notice, in him. It doesn't say in a church. 
It doesn't say in our good works. It doesn't say in giving money and all of these types of things that many people think will get them to heaven someday, keeping the sacraments. None of those will save you. But notice it says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Philip was with that man that was known as the Ethiopian eunuch. The man had a portion of the word of God coming away from the city of Jerusalem. He was trying to make some sense out of it, like many times you maybe do in your life, or I did before I came to know the Lord as my Savior. And he was trying to understand it, and he says, of whom does the prophet speak about? In other words, who is he referring to there? And Philip started in the same scriptures and preached unto him Jesus. And the man says, well, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? See, that's where a lot of people are is, hey, if I get baptized, I'm going to go to heaven someday. But look at, look at what he says to this man. He says, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is who? Do you believe that this morning? Because he is God. He was God in the flesh. He was 100% God and 100% man. And he says to this man, look, getting baptized is not going to do anything except get you wet. But he says, I'll tell you what will get you to heaven. He says, if you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Son of God came to seek and save that which was lost. That wasn't just for that eunuch, that's for everyone that's ever been born of woman. And as you think about this this morning, notice what Jesus says in John 14. Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want to have hope this morning? Have you been born again? Are you going by the way of the cross? Is it because you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Hey, I was so excited. Last Sunday, one week ago today, I preached the message on Sunday morning, and at the end of the message, I gave what we're going to give in just a minute, the song that was sung about the altar. Come to the altar. Listen, the altar is a place of dying to self. We're going to give you an opportunity that if God is dealing with you, speaking to your heart, if there's something in your life, whatever it is, if you have a need to be saved this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to come to a place of dying. That's what an altar is. Last Sunday morning at the invitation, I asked many questions and we had a song that was played. We gave people an opportunity. Many responded for various reasons. Not one hand went up as far as I could tell when I was up here about somebody needing or wanting to be saved, to accept God's gift of eternal life. You can only imagine in a crowd this size this morning, there's probably at, one, at least one, if not many more than one, that's sitting here this morning trusting in what they can do to get them to heaven. Last Sunday I asked, and no hands went up, and after the service was over with, we were standing in the, in, the, in the foyer and we were talking. And I noticed as, as the crowd began to thin out, there were some people that were still standing there. And, and I thought it was a little bit strange that they were there. I was glad they were standing, talking to some people. And finally, I walked over and I said, I said, are you guys waiting on someone? They said, yeah, we're waiting on. And they named one of our members' names. And they, I said, where is he? They said, well, he's in the back and he's, he's trying to help 
this man and his son to know that they're going to heaven someday. So we waited. We waited probably 20, 30 minutes. I'd have waited five, six hours. He came out and he had this big smile on his face. He said, Pastor, he says, I was talking to the Father about the Lord Jesus, about his need to know Christ as his Savior, to hear the word that he heard Sunday morning, but to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, when I, when I got to the end of it and asked him if he wanted to trust the Lord as his Savior, he said to me, yes, I would. And he said, that man bowed his head and prayed and asked Christ to be his Savior. He says, I didn't realize, he goes, I was so focused on the Father that I didn't realize his 16-year-old son was listening to everything. He said, I looked over and I noticed he was just, he was really focused on what I was saying. And he looked at his son and he says, would you like to be saved? And the son, yes, I would. And his son prayed and asked Christ to be his savior. See, two people one week ago were on their way to a Christless eternity. But because they heard the word and they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, they're on their way to heaven today. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, Listen, this morning the Bible says in John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So notice this morning from Paul writing to those in the middle of that Roman uh, uh, oppression of their day, those in Ephesus that were new babes in Christ, they had this new life that the Bible talks about. And Paul's telling them, look, it's okay because you have hope because of Jesus Christ. He says he's the focus of our hope. And notice, because they have the right foundation, they heard the word of God, they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's look at what he says in closing this morning because he talks about the focus and he talks about the, the foundation. But notice this morning, he talks about the future of our hope. You see, where does all this take us? If you're saved this morning, where will it take you someday? Well, look at verse 13 of Ephesians 1. The Bible says, In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until... The redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. See, everybody wants to know about the future. They want to know their, their, their uh, 401ks and the interest rates, and they want to know the stock market, if it's going to hold or if it's going to crash. They, how about this? They want to know what the election's going to be like. Not me. I, they can have it. But can I tell you this morning, God doesn't want us to have an insecurity about our eternity. God wants us to know for sure that we have an ultimate hope. There was a man at the airport and, and uh, he, was, he was there and as he was there, he was waiting for his flight to take off and out, outside there was an awful storm right out, right out where the tarmac was and, and all the planes were just sitting there waiting for the storm to pass and there was lightning and flashing and thunder out there and all, a lot of the flights were being dis, de, delayed, and the man, the man got really nervous. I mean, he was just, 
he, you know, waiting and just waiting on what's going to happen. Is his flight going to take off and is he going to get there safely? And then he thought to himself, well, wait, wait a minute, maybe it's good because before he went on this flight, he had purchased uh, some insurance, life insurance policy in the case of a mishap while he was flying. And he was thinking, well, uh, maybe because of this, I'm glad that I did that. I'm glad I got that insurance. So he was waiting and a couple hours had gone by and he thought, well, it doesn't look like the storm's going to break. So he decided he was going to go get something to eat right there close to his gate before his, his plane would eventually take off. And he saw this little restaurant. It was a Chinese restaurant. And he thought, I like Chinese food. So he went in there to that restaurant and he was sitting there and he was eating his food. And as he was eating his food, it looked like maybe things were starting to break in the weather. And so he finished the last little bit and he looked over and he had a fortune cookie sitting there. And he picked up the fortune cookie and he opened, unwrapped it and he opened it up and he cracked it and he looked inside and he read that, that little fortune inside that cookie. And as he was reading that fortune, here's what it said. Your recent investment will pay big dividends. That's probably not the fortune that he wanted to read in that cookie, right? Especially right before that flight. See, we worry about the future, what's coming next. And Paul writes to those in Ephesus, and notice he tells them, and by the way, this might have been to them as the immediate text, but God's preserved it in his word for you and I today. If you're in Christ, just like those in Ephesus, notice that theirs and your future is sealed, according to what it says here. See, if you've heard the word of God and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are sealed according to the word of God. See, a lot of people don't know what happens when they get saved. Oh, they know, just like I did years ago. I knew that I had gotten saved, I knew that I was a sinner, and I knew that I needed God's help, that I couldn't get to heaven on my own. And when I got saved, and when you got saved, your future, your eternity was settled right then when you got saved. Can I get an amen? amen? See, your future. Why? Because God says, I've given unto you eternal life. See, I got saved on January 22nd, 1984. Yes, that was a long time ago. But you know, my eternity was settled on that particular day. I've, I can say with all certainty today, and, and maybe you struggle from time to time after you got saved, but I know this, I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, and there is no one more powerful than God himself, and so I am safe, I am secure from the day that I put my faith in him, because Jesus said, I am the way. So for 35 years, I've had that blessed hope that I am to be absent from the body would be present with the Lord. Look at Romans 8, 9. The Bible says, And ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You're saved this morning. God has given you the gift, the promise of the Father which is the sending of the Holy Spirit of God. And Paul writes to those in Corinth and says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? In other words, the Bible tells us in many places that every believer has the Holy Spirit of God in them. Now, you know what the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit of God is our seal. 
That's what the Bible teaches. When you think about seal, a seal is a, a mark of ownership. If you've ever seen maybe through books or maybe in museums, things like that, in the old days, those that were kings or royalty, they would have like a signet ring that they would wear. And because it was their ring, there wasn't another one like it. This particular one that you see on, on, on the left side of your screen is one that was uh, owned by a king. What they would do is they would write an important document. They would write something and then they, they didn't have the glue. How many of you like licking envelopes? Ugh. It's like the worst taste ever. But see, back in these days, they didn't have that on letters and, and envelopes. And so what they would do is they would, they would write their letter, their document, they would roll it up or fold it up, and then they would take wax and they would drip that wax and they would take that ring and they would stamp it. And as long as that, that wax seal was not broken, they would give that to someone that would deliver it to whom it was to go to. And when you and I got saved, the Holy Spirit of God sealed us. Our future was sealed according to the Word of God. And when we think about this, when God saved us, He sealed us. Nothing can break the seal of God on your life. Do you agree with that this morning? See, God has sealed us. No demon can possess you. No false religion can take you. You are truly sealed this morning. It is settled in heaven until the day of your redemption. And I know sometimes, here's what happens. We get on the emotional side of things. And all of us, by nature, are human beings, we are very emotional. And some days we do things we shouldn't do. And guess what? We start to say things like this. Well, I just don't feel saved. Well, you, never, you didn't get saved by your feelings. Your emotions did not save you. God saved you. The fact is, it's the Word of God. You heard the Word of God. You believed the Word of God, and you are sealed under the day of your redemption. It has nothing to do with how you feel, because God says, look, it's based on what I said. It's based on my Word. We are bound in a relationship, a partnership, with Jesus Christ, and because he lives, according to the word of God, we shall never perish, we who are saved. Aren't you glad this morning that your life in Christ, the hope that you have, that your future is sealed? But notice also, he says, not only is your future sealed, but your future is secure. You see, you find here again what he says. Go back to verse number 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance under the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Peter wrote it this way. Peter says, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by what? By the power of God. Did you hear that this morning? God's word says, look, it's my word that's keeping you. My word is what not only sealed you, but is securing your life today through the faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. It is one thing to make a reservation. Look, if you're going to take a trip, chances are, unless you're going to sleep in your car, you're going to get on the internet or you're going to make some phone calls, you're going to reserve a room maybe at a Holiday Inn or a, a Hilton or a Ramada or whatever it's at. Listen, it's great to have a reservation that when you get there, there's a room waiting for you. Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. He says that where, when I come and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there may ye be also. Listen, how many of you have, have a reservation in heaven someday? I hope you do. I hope you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, because according to this passage this morning, we, we cannot keep ourselves 
saved, what keeps us saved and what keeps us secure is we are kept by the power of God. Our future is secure because we have a permanent indweller and that indweller is known as the Holy Spirit of God. Look at John 14, 16. Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you for how long? Forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he, here it is again, he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Are you saved this morning? Because if you're saved, the Holy Spirit is the one that brought you to church, not your wife, guys. Because the Holy Spirit says, hey, you know where you need to be on the Lord's day? In the Lord's house. You need to have the Lord's word in your hand. You see, the Holy Spirit is one that guides us, uh, the ones of us that have put our faith in Christ. He guarantees that we will be with Him forever. Look what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2. If we suffer, He shall also reign. We shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful. Did you see what the Bible says there? Whether we believe or not, God is faithful. And notice these words, He cannot deny himself. I remember what I told you in the beginning of the message. People are plagued this day with worry, worrying about tomorrow. I don't worry about tomorrow because I know who holds my hand. And as I think about this verse here in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, look at this. If there comes a moment in your life where maybe you're filled with doubt and you're filled with worry, wondering about the future, God says in his word, I can't deny myself he says, I've given you my word, and although you may doubt, and although you may have seasons of worrying about the future, listen, God never does worry, and God never doubts. Why? Because he is faithful to us. God is faithful to that which he has promised. So the question here is this morning, is do you know for sure that you have the right foundation, that you, your focus is not on something that the world says, if you do this, if you pray this, if you keep this, is your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. It says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise. And notice these words, when you were unsaved, having how much hope? No hope. And without God in the world. See, if you're here this morning and you haven't heard the word and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, then according to the word of God, you're still living without hope. But if you are saved, if you look in Ephesians chapter 1, look at the verse there in verse 18. The Bible then does say, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Folks, when I look at this passage, if we're saved, we're not basing our spiritual life on the emotions of a moment. We're basing our eternity on the eternal word of God. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never what? leave you nor forsake you. See, if you're saved this morning, that's why you can have the hope that God, only God can give. 
because according to the Bible, God's always going to be with you. He says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to... Listen, this week when something happens and you start to doubt, you start to worry about the future, take comfort in that verse that he says, I'll never leave you. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never leave you alone. I'll always be with you. So here it is this morning. What's your focus? Is your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you had the foundation in your life to hear the word of God? This morning you've heard it. Have you believed on the Lord? And what's the future hold for you? Because if you are saved, your future is settled because you are sealed under the day of redemption and you are secure because you are being kept by the power of Almighty God. What a blessing to know Christ as your Savior. If you're not saved today, we want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in an eternal God. Let's bow our heads this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the eternal truth of the Word of God. Pray that you bless this invitation this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?